Hello there, and welcome to episode 54 of Kuzawap. I am one of the hosts here at Kuzawap, Willie, a.k.a. Arrow. And as usual, we got the co-host of Kuzawap. IV, Isaiah, nah, me, we here for episode two, season two of Kuzawap. You already know. Yes, sir. So today we're here to talk about a show that you and I, as well as many other people, love. They, they really enjoy this show. Because of a live action remake, aka adaptation, not really remake, happening over at Netflix. That that's another conversation you and I have like yeah. been wanting to have for a while. Maybe make its own episode, which we still might do because there's just too much to talk about. But we're here for Avatar: The Last Airbender. You already know, and it's like I, I, I we could not have this conversation. You know what I mean? Double negative right. on purpose because it's just too positive. Uh, the response of this show, we're talking about a show that a lot of people decree is the greatest cartoon of all time. You know what I mean? That you don't just say that lightly yeah. unless you're IV. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a big deal. <laughs> this is a really big deal. And it's an important conversation. We've also wrestled trying to figure out how do you squeeze so much greatness, so much great content from this show into a conversation here on Cuzzlewop. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, but we think we figured it out. We think figured out how we could do it today. Yeah. So, I mean, for starters, if you don't know what Avatar The Last Airbender is. You live under a rock. Sorry. That is true. I mean, it's a show that came to television in 2005, Nickelodeon, kids cartoon, 2005 to 2008, three seasons, and then it, it stopped. It ended. Had a sequel show drop in the early 2010s. And then that ended. And that was it. And then Netflix brought the original animated series onto their platform just as the pandemic hit. And it was number one on the platform for weeks. It was old fans coming on to watch, new fans coming to explore. And it kind of just popped off. It popped off maybe a little bit before the pandemic. Because uh, the live action show was announced in 2019, around March, May, you know, somewhere in between there. Right. But either way, the popularity that the original animated series and the new following that came of it because of Netflix blew it up. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it now. Even if you're an adult who, you know, saying, oh, it's a kid's cartoon. There are many adults out there in the world that have talked about how it's not just a simple kid's cartoon. Many reactors on YouTube who have reacted to this show starting in like 2015, people started doing reactions. Oh, crap. This is a, this was on Nickelodeon? It was. Give it a chance. It's a show about some kids who need to save the world from the evil monarch. I mean, it's a fantasy show. It is. But take a chance because it's lighthearted while also being layered in depths. Layered in every dimension, length, width, height, all of it, everything. Why? Because it's that fantasy vibe. We've got elemental powers and, and bending and water, air, fire, earth. But then there's also a very big coming of age story that exists at the heart of this story. And and it's it's what we've said here at Kuzawap time and time again. When you are a talented studio and have written a story that can let the coming of age story of more than one character 
happen concurrently, intersecting, you're, you're accomplishing greatness, you know, and that's what this show is. This show is the embodiment of greatness in every dimension. Um, and, and for the kids who grew up with it, like ourselves, it just becomes truer and truer as time goes on. The older I get, when I go back and watch this show, I leave with a nugget of wisdom. Remember cartoon, you cartoons used to do this, bro. Cartoons used to have messages, morals, lessons, something to take away with you. It wasn't just like stupidity for 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Or just noise, right? Uh, it was something that left you chewing on how, like, almost how can I be a better person today in light of what I saw Ann go through, in light of what I yeah. saw Sokka learn, in light of, you know, and and I, I don't know, man. This was just from that era, that age, a time when Teen Titans was slapping, a time when uh, uh, Disney had a couple bangers. Like, th- there's so many different shows that were going on when this show came out, and yet it has it's timeless. You know, Drake's got that line. Let's see who's around a dec who's around a decade from now. You know what I mean? And this is around a decade from when it came out. It's being adapted. Almost almost two. To, right. It, I'm just saying. It's it's here, baby. And it's not going anywhere, you know? So yes, this conversation was very necessary. Not just because of the Netflix adaptation, which we'll give you our thoughts on. We'll give you your thoughts on some of what we heard and what we feel. But it's also Avatar Studios has been opened up. There's money that's supposed to be coming toward this IP, new stories that are supposed to be coming here. So we said it'd be good to put our our, our rock in the River Jordan, our say out there in the atmosphere so people know, oh, this is how Kazuwap feels about Avatar The Last Airbender and everything they're doing with the Avatar trademark. Yeah, man. I mean, in general... Just to think that here we are almost two decades later from this show premiering, talking about it still is insane, especially when you consider that. What do you really have from the show? You got three seasons of the original series, four seasons of the sequel series and some books and comics. Mm. And that's it. Mm. You don't have 40 plus movies in a connected universe. You don't have 80 plus years of comic books. No, you've got. Seven seasons of television and some books. And that's it. it. And we're talking 30-minute episode seasons of television airing on Nickelodeon. Not AMC, not HBO, not Netflix until it was. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. That alone right there is kind of crazy because, yeah, we remember our childhood shows, but we don't talk about them the way that this show gets talked about. Right. So I want to start off with our experiences with Avatar The Last Airbender. So I'm going to let you go first because you were obviously a little bit older than me when the show premiered. What were you, like 10? Yeah, around 10, 11. So, so talk a little bit about your relationship with the show at that age and beyond. I don't know, man. It's a surreal thing to be a 10-year-old concerned about the things that a 10-year-old is concerned about. And um, and know you're watching something bigger than you. You're watching something that is trying to talk about concepts that feel way bigger than you. And I've mentioned uh, last episode and also a little bit in the episode prior, the last episode of season one, 
my childhood lived on through Arrow. So then to see the lessons land in the hearts and pick up the attention of those younger than me, it even more so. This is just a special freaking show, bro. It's a special show. To go from the first episode um, where, where Katara knows, she knows that she's being pulled into something great right from that first episode. And then it begins, it starts, and it's just like to see greatness be on Aang from his beginning and him kind of not want to accept said greatness. It just, it marked me, bro. It marked me. Yeah. It marked me because everyone gets called towards something, right? We're all called to grow up in some way, shape, or form. And I think that is a big thing that's going on in this show. And it's why the experience was so special to me. I think even at 10, 11, I was going through things in life that called me to have to grow up quicker. So this show just, it had more places for it to stick, more places for Zuko humbling himself on the other end of a, a general Iroh lesson or 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 one-line haiku. I'm wrestling just like Zuko is. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I have to lay something down too. It's just, it's a children's TV show written by a bunch of adults that I felt like they knew they were making a mark, bro. I just, that's what it yeah. felt like, you know? Um, I don't know if it was the the Buddhism and the concepts of all these different things that they tied in there or what, but there's just so much you can pull philosophically from this show. And I think that that's why it, it has been so timeless. It's got a lot yeah. of depth and width and height and range. What, when are you showing it to your daughter? You see, like, I want to show it to her when I feel like she can start to receive some of that concept. So I feel like around like yeah. six, seven, letting it till the soil of her soul and, and yeah. watch something like this, you know, cause she, she, you know, you can start to see certain parts of a personality, even at age two, you know what I mean? So this show has impacted so many of us as kids from the age of like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11, and it's still stuck with us in our twenties, you know? So I want to start her at a good spot. But man, how many how many shows really though, like really could you say have stuck with you to such an insane degree? I haven't watched the show right. in its entirety since I was maybe in college, which was what, now seven, eight years ago almost. Like, and I yet can still recall episodes scene for scene. I can I can recall I can tell you what I know are the highest rated episodes because it's one of those things where it's just unanimous. It's just unanimous. I, I, yeah. It's bro. It's it's crazy that we get to say that we got to see this show and grow up with it. Honestly, exactly. Yeah, I've got cousins that have seen the show that weren't even alive when the show started or finished, right? And they've seen it because they just saw it one day on Netflix and said, "Let me put it on," and then loved it, right? Um, but. As for my relationship with the show, yeah. I watched it while it was airing. You know, I knew when to tune in. Um, five years old. Imagine that might have been the first show, to be honest, that I had to say, like, I got to tune in for that. Yeah. You know, at five years old, who's worried about tuning in to different television shows? Right. No like one. no one at all. You catch in reruns, not the new episodes. Like I remember just watching season one, season two and then season three. A, a very fun memory for me is 
the finale, right? The finale was this huge hyped up event. Four episodes dropping all together in the at the end of summer, which like you're like, okay, how am I gonna watch this? I had it all planned out. I'm gonna just be home and I'm gonna watch this. Nah, my family's going on vacation to the Catskills in New York. Mm. Now, if y'all don't know what the Catskills in New York is, it's the woods. You are lucky enough to be getting cell signal out there. Right. So this is 2008 too, not not like 2024 cell signal where it's actually better. 2008. So I'm worried that we're not going to have TV signal. There's like 50 of us in the house. I'm worried that the two TVs in the house are both going to be being used at the same time. Mm. But nah, me and all my cousins that were over at that house, shout outs to Aaron and everybody else, we managed to hook a television up in the living room away from the adults and mess around with every channel, input settings, everything. And then Nickelodeon popped up on the stream. Ding, ding, ding. And we watched it all together, that finale. And it was glorious to be able to say that I caught that finale live with all of those people around me. Mm. Um, so my relationship with the show was my first live TV experience. I've got a lot of nostalgia for it. But when I separate that nostalgia, coming in to rewatch as early as two years ago, three years ago, and put the nostalgia aside and say, let me see what this show is actually about as a 20, 21 year old man. Mm. And it's still great. It's still great. Absolutely. You know, um, for so many reasons. And it's because of the care that got put into the show, right? We know that the creators of the show based so many different elements and pieces of the show on real life things. Mm-hmm. Different cultures, whether it be Japanese, Chinese, like they 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 showed a lot of care and protection with this work and it's felt. So Yeah. I felt like I was cared for with the show. I felt like that care took care of me. You know, there's a lot of that in there, and there's a lot of themes that we're gonna get to later as we talk, 100%, you know. 100%. Um, but like clearly we care about this show because it's already been a good one sixth of this podcast episode. And we've already talked about it. Oh yeah. And so what I think would be interesting to do is to dive into some of the characters and look at their journeys. Because there are characters on this show that everybody relates to. There's every character on this show for the most part has someone in real life that they could say, I relate to them in some way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you've already started speaking about your relation with Hank oh, yeah. and how you can relate with him. Oh, yeah. Because he was a little kid who was forced and given responsibility. Not that he chose this responsibility. It was put upon him mm-hmm. at a young age. He was 12 years old when he was told that he essentially needed to be the savior of the world. That's right. Right? So what makes Aang so interesting for you? Um... Yeah, man, I think his innocence, his innocence as a character, I think when you think of coming of age, it's it's that there's a there's a verse that says, uh, you know, when I was a boy, I did boyish things. But when it, when I became a man, I put those boyish things aside. And I think that's what the entirety of this show is for Aang. It's wrestling with accepting that he needs to rise to the occasion and to the call that he has on him while also realizing that he doesn't have to 
lose himself in his entirety to do so. And I think that was was what was alluring of, about him the entire time. He has an innocence that is where his sensitivity and his joyfulness and his playfulness as a character exists. That energy is very important because it's off-putting. It's off-putting to everyone around him because he is someone with such power. He has so much power as a character, yet he's the one joking around with um, with Apo or Momo. Like He's always cracking a joke or being silly in some way, shape, or form. And it makes it so that when it's time to get serious, it's very evident he's being very serious. So when you get to that last episode four of the four at the end of the comet and you see him fight Fire Lord, Fire Lord Ozai and you see how much he had to lose and find in himself as a character, it's just... It's amazing, man. You you attach yourself to his growth. You just attach some part of yourself as a viewer to his growth. I don't know a single person I've ever had a conversation with in my 28 years on this planet that say they don't like Aang. Everyone I know that I've talked to the people of the show, they rock with Aang. Even the people who, if you were to go team Zuko versus team Aang, they, they, these characters are all so electric. That Team Aang, they 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 tip their hat at Zuko. Team Zuko, they tip their hat at Aang. And that's that's it's not you're not trading off one for the other. They're all very human as characters. Um, and it's hard to write kids. I think I think it's not easy to write a child. Um, and we get yeah. it. He's not just twelve. He's right. hundred and twelve. But at the end of the day. They play it so well, bro. It's yeah, so yeah. Absolutely. And but you know what the even more interesting thing is, is that every child in this show, almost every single child that gets put on the main stage, that gets a spotlight on them, were children that needed to grow up before they needed to. Mm. There's a line in the first or second episode of the show when Aang and Katara go penguin sledding. Keep in mind you, Aang is 12. And guitar is 13, 14, where she says, oh, my God, I haven't had this much fun since I was a kid. Right. And his response to her is, you still are a kid. You know, the brilliance of all of these children on the show is that they are forced to be older than they are. And so the moments where they actually get to be kids, you kind of like, oh, yeah, it's like Ahsoka on Clone Wars. Yes. When you get to watch Ahsoka and lead an army, but then you see her on Ahsoka as a little girl and you actually get to see her, what she looks like as a little girl. And you were like, oh, wow. Right. I forget amidst all this craziness that this is still a child. Still a child. So for, for you know, because I know a few people who have tried to give the show a chance. If, you, if you're listening to this and you're not caring about spoilers, I mean, listen, if you're annoyed by Aang or you're not attached to him, you know, I would say just, just stay strong, stay strong, because he is trying to live the childhood that they told him he would not be able to have in those first early episodes, where he's trying to ride the lizard in the water. I forgot what it was called, or when he's trying go to see do his, his old friend, ball. go see his old friend in the Earth Kingdom, and just rock with him for a exactly. bit. Exactly, like, exactly. It's it's he's trying to do that because he was told you can't be this child, and no one's going to be around to stop him. Some people say that Aang is careless because of that. But the truth is, even if you're told that you have this big responsibility, you're not going to understand that until actions 
and consequences are put in front of yeah. you, which is where when Aang goes to his home and he finds that his family, the people he grew up with, have been mercilessly slaughtered, consequence. Yeah. When the Kyoshi warrior village gets burned down because he wanted to go and have fun in their village, consequence. Yeah. These are things that Aang needs to learn and go through. And when he does do this stuff, he gets the better understanding of what his destiny is. By the end of the show, right? Because what we see in the beginning of the show is people tell him, this is what you need to do. And he runs away from yeah. that. And it costs something. By the end of the show, he has learned with people telling him, you need to do this to the Fire Lord. You need to kill the Fire Lord. He doesn't run away to try and stop that he faces the fire lord and finds a different way to stop right. it which is to me it's beautiful because he he handled the situation differently the same way he wanted to before but this time he did it correctly right yeah and that and that Aang is a brilliant main character he's just a brilliant main character bro and it, and it makes a lot of sense because you're watching a character throughout the whole show you know he he airbends he's from an air nomad tribe he's from that kingdom and you know shout out to the writers the people who set this up having the books be set up based on like the seasons be titled after books based on the bending ability he has to learn in that season you know we start with water when he has katara and then he goes to earth and he meets Toph and then we get the fire and we figure out, you know, Zuko's the one that's going to ultimately be teaching him, even though he thinks it's someone completely different. It's just like the relationship that he has with each of those types of styles, the cultures of those kingdoms, another part of himself is unlocked. And again, it invites us as the viewers to unlock parts of ourselves too. And that's why when Arrow says stick it out, it's really something you should do. You really should because if you're the type that likes a rough and tough, strong and persevere type personality, then book two is for you. You know what I mean? Yes. If you're the type that's got a lot of anger and you need to let go of some things, when you get to the conclusion of book three, you're going to be done. You're When you see the episode... I think it's the dragons. The I freaking forgot the title of the episode. But when you see that episode where Zuko and Aang are dancing with the dragons, you're going to be healed. I promise. And then it starts with that simple book of book. Book one was water and, and him having to learn to accept the tide of his life, accept yeah. the flow of his life. It's just brilliantly written. Now, also want to say, you asked me about why I like Aang. You talked about Ahsoka. There are 10 episodes within book one that Dave Filoni directed. Dave Filoni, the creator, the creator of the Ahsoka live action TV show, the writer of a number of Star Wars things that we all know. He is the, the prince, the crowned prince from, from Lucas himself. This dude was picked up because his 10 directed episodes are part of his his audition for where he is now. Yeah. So you yeah. can catch that same coming of age magic that he's so good at orchestrating with what's said and what's not said throughout the entire first book. So I, I think it's just a, a matter of a lot of different things coming together. And Aang is just an embodiment of 
his universe. That's what an avatar is supposed to be. We just we discover avatars that weren't like that. We discover avatars that were 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 very. This is my people, and I stick with this type of a mentality. It gives a sour taste in your mouth. He 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 changes the game and revolutionizes the generations of avatars with his actions and his decisions. There's so much weight on yeah. him as a character. So you can yeah. find a variety of places to connect with that dude if you're willing to look yeah. for it. Yeah, and, and whenever he spits wisdom to the group, and sometimes it's like, I don't want to hear that, and sometimes they accept it, it's because he's speaking from a place of most of the time, at least, like, I understand. I truly do, you know? But that's enough for Aang. Facts. I want to move on to Katara. Yeah. You know? Katara is the first voice we hear on Avatar. She narrates the intro. She tells us what the lore of the universe is right away. It's the first thing you hear. And then we see her on a boat. And right away, we understand what kind of character Katara is. She struggles with her waterbending. She's completely unsure of her abilities. She's trying, but she's not sure. It's clear her, her family has left. She's with her brother. Her parental figures are gone. And... She's she's unclear about her journey, and I think that if you look at where Katara was in the first episode, you know, dealing with issues of the uh, matriarchy, you know, yeah. and seeing patriarchy issues and how back and forth the water tribes are, even in her small tribe, to yeah. go find the bigger tribe and be told, well, the South's way of doing things, we don't do that in the North. We actually separate the men and the women and her challenging that yeah. instead of conforming to that, that showed a fighter inside of her. Right. Uh-huh. And you know, by the end of the show, she's a completely different character in like the best way possible. People give Katara a lot of shit. They really do. And I think that shit is stupid because she's annoying or she whines too much, but let's take a look at her character she grew up without a mom. Her mom was murdered, right? You know, she grew up without a dad. Her dad went to go fight in a war. She grew up with her grandmother and she always felt like she needed to take care of her older brother because he was so caught up on everything going on. She never got the chance to explore her emotions. So when she becomes the mom of the group and she's nagging people and asking them to relax and chill out, it's not because she's annoying. It's because the rest of her family is gone and she doesn't want to lose the family that she has and she wants them to be smart. The group without Katara is gone. Is dead. If you remember when Appa is taken in the desert, they do not. They don't live without Katara Mm -hmm. because she's the only one keeping her shit together during those episodes. Rightfully so, everybody is in the place that they need to be during those episodes, but Katara is possibly the foundation of this group more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know what to tell Katara haters. Maybe they're sexist. I don't know. Maybe they just don't like whiny kids. Okay, but you got to understand you're watching a show about teenagers. If it ain't for you, it ain't for you, but it's not bad. It's accurate. It's just a very accurate... Based on the human soul and the way this would go based on her story, you just had your man over here with the psychology breakdown for you right now. Just broke it down for you. (laughs) It just makes sense developmentally in light of what was lacking. But then on top of that, I really just feel like, yo, every, 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 every great person, every great guy, every great man has a great woman most times, some woman that holds them down. 
And I think from the beginning, it's not just that Aang was held down. She brought him out. She activated his story. She she is somebody who was integral in his entire process, just as much as he was integral in her tapping into her childhood, tapping into her, her who she is truly. He saw her for who she truly was. So it's very cool because when you watch their romance and you watch this thing that has been often debated, is it Zuko and Katara? What was that weird thing in the ice cave? What's up with that? We don't know what's going on with that. What's up with that? You know, or is it really my man Aang or is Aang just called to something so high he doesn't get to have romantic opportunity with? No, bro. It's very clear. These two stories, their story was intertwined from the beginning. And from, I love, and I, I love how they let the romance not be defined by cheesy romantic moments, but there's an organic nature. They have beef. They have, uh, they come together to be strong. They have places where they don't agree with one another. At first, she she tells him he, can, he she can't teach him. I can't teach you this. I'm not good enough to do it myself. I can't teach you. And yet they both become strong because they have each other in the bending. Yes. Y'all remember that blood bending episode? where she had to go into the depths of herself to ask herself what's right and what's wrong, to fight someone who had bent their will so crazy that they justify the action of bloodbending, but then to have to decide on that by bloodbending? Oh, bro, Katara's coming of age and her development as a character is very beautiful. Um, and yeah, I'm not in that camp. And, and I want to say it now. I know we'll talk about it later, but there's a lot of rumors I've heard about the sexist nature of Sokka and how in the show it kind of feels like he's on her a lot because of where he comes from. I, I, I heard that they're rewriting certain parts of that dynamic and it, and it breaks my heart, to be honest with you, not because we're sexist here at Kuzawap, but because Sokka and the voice he's had over his sister is something Katara had to rise above the occasion of. Yes. And that's important. That's a very important Absolutely. part of what makes her who she is. It was almost like her brother's respect is something that he she needed. And by the end of the season, end of the, the series, there's no question. Sokka knows that his sister's not to be effed with. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Come on, bro. Yeah. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. You know, before we move on to Sokka, bro, you just got to think back to the scene where Toph and Katara are at their limit with each other in the runaway episode. Mm. And she tells him, like, I don't understand what her deal is. And he says, yo, can we talk heart to heart? And he sits there and he explains exactly what I explained a few minutes ago. When I see my mother's face, I can't see her. I just see Katara. Sokka had to be pulled out of his place and into the world to understand that Katara has always been the realest one in his life. Always. So let's go into Sokka, bro, because we brought up the fact that this Netflix show might be rewriting or is rewriting some of his character arc because of modern day, what is appropriate, not appropriate to talk about. Trash. And I, I got to ask this, bro. What is inappropriate about showing a 16-year-old boy who is sexist come out of that through his sister, through a romantic love interest, through a few romantic love interests, through any any woman on the show that he sees coming out of being sexist, respecting them, fighting alongside them, not as, oh, I'm a high mighty warrior above you, but I'm your equal. You've humbled me. I need to be humbled. Sokka needed to be humbled, right? There's a lot of men out there nowadays that need to be 
on this soccer storyline, bro. I agree. They need to see this joint. I agree. They and, need to respect. Like, And my thing is, we don't know what they did, so we can't speak to all of it. We exactly, only know what they've exactly. said and what the actors themselves have spoken. But we also know that the people behind Avatar Studios, that there were some creative decisions made by Netflix that they didn't agree with. And there was a separation. Yeah. So it leaves us as people who are big fans of the heart of this story, which I would assume the Avatar Studios was comprised of people who were there at its beginning, its genesis. They're leaving the show. That makes me a little bit afraid. Yes. Because yes, dynamics like this are very important. And they're not just speaking toward this character. They're speaking toward the universe. The universe is built like this. This patriarchal universe, it exists. Yeah. In all of the kingdoms, it doesn't exist in one singular kingdom. It exists in modern day, and it exists in the the, the earth, the nation, the earth nation, the fire nation, the the air, even the air. If we talk about, we gonna talk about it later. We can talk about Korra later. We can talk about Korra later. But all I'm saying is, man, I look at this, and when it comes to Sokka's development as a character and as a warrior, it's he's the strongest on the other end of his humility. When he's yelling with his chest out, being prideful because that's the banter he saw the men in his tribe talk about, and that's how I'm supposed to be. And I'm a, I've been a fighter since day one. Pete my club, Pete my boomerang. I'm that guy. Shut up, Ang. You don't know nothing. I'm the dude, bro. By the time we get to Sokka's master, episode four, season three, we're we're talking. We're talking. The 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 sword that he receives is from something that fell out of the sky. Something had to fall for him to walk away with this sword and become the warrior he was designed to be. They wrote the crap out of this man's development. That worries me that they won't get that heart down. But um, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, because he's a great character. He's great. Not to mention comedic relief. He's hilarious, bro. Secret tunnel, tunnel of love episode. Man, Sokka had me dying that episode, bro. There's a couple points just where he just be having me dying, like laughing, you know. Um, and then there are moments where there's very serious emotional moments, like uh, uh, the episode when they go to the the tr- the the fortune teller, and Katara's asking about her love life and her future. And there's just a couple lines Sokka drops along that episode that just like it's a very emotionally intense episode because you're like, oh, is it Aang? Oh my gosh, is he that they're prophesying about Aang? And Sokka will just drop a couple one liners like, ah, you know, you you making it light again, you know, this is what's up. I, I, they knew what they were doing, bro. And Sokka was a really great and important part of the team as well. I would argue as much as 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 Katar kept them alive, I think Sokka kept them going in a lot of ways too. That's the thing. They could nothing would have worked without every member in that team. There is not a weak space in that team, especially Appa and Momo. But to Sokka, bro, one last thing that I want to speak on is that Sokka's master episode where he accepts his true self. He's not hiding. He's not going to hide from this man who's a high skilled warrior in enemy territory. He tells him his true identity and it was a test. They fight. But at the end, the master tells him, Sokka, you and I are on opposing sides of this war, right? Or I'm going to let you believe that for right now. You know, my home is here, but the skills and the life lessons, they don't, they don't deserve to be gatekept to one nation. Mm. So you accepting yourself, I've known who you've been this whole time. 
I know who that kid up there is. That's the avatar. I'm not going to fight him. You accepting yourself is what I needed to see. Mm. That was beautiful. Sapta's self-acceptance. Yes. A lot of the show is about self-acceptance, self-exploration. And with that, there's only one character we can take that to. Arguably, the greatest character on this show, the most well-written character on the show, and one of television's best. And it's I'm not even on team that team. I'm team Aang. But Zuko? That boy Zuko. I can't take it away from him, bro. I'm not. I can't. I cannot. He's I can't take away where he starts to where he finishes. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful journey. Oh it's a beautiful journey, bro. God, bro. There's a reason why they they've dedicated an episode to this man called Zuko alone. Where they felt that they needed to do that for him. Come on, son. Some call it redemption. Some call it reformation. Call it what you want. I mean, we all have different understandings of what these things are, but to go from the first episode, I need to capture the avatar where people think he's just this corny villain to having one of the most beautiful executed action fight sequences that is poetic and depthly layered like in in what how many episodes bro 50 60 like 61 come on now yeah man it's uh dude i always loved i always loved zuko but i'll be honest i in the first book i only loved him as much as i did because of iroh as a contrast i loved i loved iroh's uh, and it's hard to talk about the character separately. I loved Iroh's sure. being his conscience, almost being the conscience he doesn't have connection to because his immaturity and his pain and his anger, he doesn't have a center point. He thinks that his center, his his resolution can only come through what his father has demanded of him, not by directly asking it of him, which is something we find out as the show goes on. This is something he's decreed as his thing that will redeem him, his thing that will restore him, you know? And we all have things like that, you know? If I if I could just grind and get that promotion, if I could just be, if I could get the girl, if I, you have all these things that you decree and put your identity and the idea of accomplishing. And so Iroh is always reminding him, and this is someone of the camp that he's trying to get the expectation of. He can't even respect the wisdom of his uncle with him in that first book, bro. But, you know, oh. that's what makes Iroh a good character Such because good Iroh character. doesn't force his way onto Zuko because Iroh needed to learn. Iroh's son needed to die in the battlefield for him to learn this lesson, bro. Yeah. Responsibility, yeah. actions and consequences. That's what this show is. Yeah. Right? It's like so Iroh did not force his way onto Zuko. He just made sure that Zuko knew that he'd be there yeah. if he needed him to be in case of a consequence. And Iroh always was. He always. always was. Even if he knew the outcome, he would knew he would know the outcome before Zuko. Right. Yeah. Zuko man. started at a place where his father's words and his father's actions were driving him and ended at a place where he accepted that he needed to have his own actions, where he needed to do this for himself. I'm pretty sure he states that I'm doing this for me. Mm. I'm going to fight my sister because I need to do that. Mm. 
he he grew to a place where he could respect that Aang's destiny was written, but his didn't need to be. Yeah, bro. I think I think the life. It's hard to talk about Zuko. No, bro. It's it's. This is the episode. I was trying to think so, of. I was trying to think of the particular episode, and it's. I'm pretty sure it's it's 13. I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember it if it happened like later in the book or if it's like dead smack. But just just what, as what? a just as a re- it is directed by Dave Filoni. We talking about the storm? It's the blue spirit. And you oh, know what's 13, crazy about yeah. the blue spirit is this. I'm gonna paint this picture in my camera for those who are you know watching on YouTube. My camera not focusing. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying, it's coming. Don't worry. The blue. Let me focus in the blue spirit episode. Was the one that was the one where I realized I think this is the greatest character in this show because he has to wear a mask to fight and face his own people. And by the end of the show, he no longer has to wear a mask to do what he knew was right, even back in episode 13, book one. There's 61 episodes, and at episode 13, he fought for a reason and with intention that is against the very thing that he feels his identity is in, having to capture the Avatar. And I think that concept in itself is a contrast that Dave Filoni brilliantly sets up for us because then when it's all said and done, bro, after we do, you know, boy and rock after I'm telling you, it's that it's the, it's the masters. It's the, it's the bending the masters episode with the dragons, bro. That is the episode that I think he peaks. He peaks in his development in the sense of like humbling. And then because he humbles himself in that episode, everything that comes after that episode Oh my gosh, bro. We're talking I mean, peak Zuko. We're talking like yeah. this is this is the anti-hero. He's an anti-hero in the sense of we've watched him do something that was technically against our protagonist all show. And now he he has to fight alongside the person that he had set his whole life up to take over, capture, kill, and sacrifice. And every word that his uncle spoke to him, it became true for him. Oh, bro. I just, I remember crying. I remember tearing up watching Aang and Zuko dance with the dragons. This is an Aang who could not fire Ben. And the person who had been chasing him with his fire the entire show is the exact person that helps him to finally capture and and, and strengthen the ability he needs to defeat his father. Zuko has given the person set out to take out his father the ability to do so. He is the final key to Aang's journey. Yeah. Bro, they wrote it. It's for everybody, bro. Everybody. Not just Aang because Fact. he gives Sokka the family that Sokka thought he lost in his father. He teaches Katara. Zuko's teaching Katara about forgiveness. Think about that, bro. When she looks at him in his eyes and says, if you make one move against Aang, I will put you down. And in a few episodes later, she thanks this man. I'm ready to forgive you because you've helped me here today. You've taught me that forgiveness. I don't know if I could forgive the person that killed my mom, but I could forgive you. Someone who betrayed me because he did betray her in that book two finale, bro. Absolutely. Zuko 
Zuko is so interesting, right? Because the first season, it's made abundantly clear that his choices are not his choices. Right. They are the words of Fire Lord Ozai. Father Lord, yeah. And then in the second book, Zuko is presented with a choice that is actually his choice. Yeah. And he makes the, the wrong, wrong choice, choice because he needs to learn with his own choices and not the choices of his dad. And then the time comes to make that choice again. And he goes right. He picks the right decision, right? It's beautiful. Iroh is beautiful, bro. We got to talk Iroh. I feel like there's not much to say about Iroh other than he's the goat. He's the goat. He's so wise. His his moments in them episodes always will hit, hit you right in your chest, make you tear up. You know, um, Zuko's nothing without Iroh. Yeah, man. And it, and, and the other thing is Iroh's voice, forever iconic. You know, rest in, peace, rest in peace, Mako. You know, he did book one and book two. But then when Greg Baldwin took over in book three, I just think the voice of this character and his wisdom is also something you've just got locked in your head if you grew up watching the show and hearing this voice. Like uh, Greg pulls up to play that one character and goes to Tsushima's co-op. And every time he's talking about like the warriors, the warriors opened up the door to the, and you're just like, yo, is that Iroh? Is that Iroh? Like, bro, his voice is just so iconic, dog. It's just amazing. And and I think that white Lotus moment and when he, when he calls the Avengers and we see all the old dudes that was throughout the whole journey. And it was like a super secret echelon of cats that are just OD powerful King Boomy in the cut with his jacked behind just ripping through cats. I just, ah, uh, it was just a, it was just a, and then, oh yeah, bro. And this is the other thing. This is the other thing. <laughs> the episodes that Iroh has where nothing is going on at all. There's no fighting. There's at least one episode where it's a very like segmented episode. I remember a lot of people not liking this episode because it's not the same tempo as a lot of the other episodes. I'm pretty sure it's book two. I just think that he has a lot of gravity and, and wisdom in him as a character. And so they knew they knew that he was a um, a polarizing character. They knew he had they had a polarizing character. Um, I just love how they contrasted him and then they complimented everyone. And then they had his own development too. I love it, bro. Everyone is getting their development from the beginning of the freaking show to the end. Even this dude. Even this dude. Crazy, I mean, bro. I Just think about the fact that, again, I said he learned from his mistakes. And you can tell that this dude knows things about life. Oh, yeah. Because he's he lost fighting so all much, man. He lost his so own much. fire soldiers, bro, in the finale of book two or book one and two and three. His when he people, turns on bro. the Fire Nation, bro, because there, at some point in his life, he learned that the only way that the world is going to win is if the good people, the right people morally, and I know that's a gray topic, but the people that are not his people are on top. Yeah. So he's there for his nephew. Yeah. But when he needs to fight General Zhao, he'd fight General Zhao. Mm -hmm. I remember him. He's saying, yo, if you hurt that fish. I will kill you. Like, I'm going to kill you if you do something to that fish. fish. And as soon as Zhao did it, boom, 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 he starts throwing the fire. And then he stands side by side with Katara, Sokka, holding the fish. And he teaches them how to bring this fish back. And they look at this man like, 
but you're not wearing our colors. Yeah, like, like you're not even matter, from our bro. gang. Like, <laughs> so when they pull up later, and Toph has her heart to heart with him, she's like, "Why would you even do that?" And she doesn't even know who this man is. He just says, "I'm never gonna not do this." So then when they pull up and they're like, Zuko, where's your uncle? He's like, I don't know. And then they find him and he tells Zuko, you know, I was never mad at the decision you made. I was just scared because I thought that that was actually going to be who you were. It's beautiful. Yeah. Iroh's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, you just mentioned Toph, though. We got to jump into Toph, exactly, too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, bro. Toph, bro. You know, we got we got. I know Sokka is another water water character, but we got Aang carrying the air and obviously being the Avatar. We got Katara with that representation of the water and 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 the, and the evolution of a water bending character. Zuko with the fire, right? And then we've got this stubborn and strength presence that is Toph, right? And when we meet Toph, you know, she comes from greatness. Actually, from she money. comes from legacy, royalty, and yet. She moves and grooves with no shoes, dirt, gritty, fighting in the secret fight club. You don't talk about fight club, first rule fight club. Don't talk about fight club type timing. The boulder couldn't even hold her. You know what I mean? Like she was crazy. And I think for her to be the one that is making fun of Aang, Twinkle Toes, and all these things about him that are opposite of her character and personality wise. And then again, another place where the Avatar complements and contrasts these characters and they give him what he needs as well along their journey. It's the symbiotic nature that he has with all of the people in his family, this this gang yep. of, of, of Avatar gang. I just love Toph, man. There are some moments that are definitely favorites of me. Uh, I think some of my favorite moments would be the episode we meet her, 100%. I just love how that, that was set up. It was beautiful. Her deciding to leave and run from her family was a crazy decision. Again, yep. coming of age. We're talking about coming freedom, of age. Freedom. They can freedom. give her freedom where she has never been able to have it. It's the fact that she's blind, bro. It's the fact that she's blind. She's blind. Any episodes where they show how she echolocates enemies and they use that style where everyone's silhouetted and you just see like the light flash. Oh, I love that effect. I thought that I think that's such a cool concept, bro. But but it's it's great and it's awesome every time we see it, especially because when it comes back in the finale and we see Ang do his echolocation that we know he learned from gorgeous. But Crazy. she's not only adapting in ways of bending, she's a people reader mm. because it's the only she's only been able to read people via dialogue and behavior. So when she's telling someone about themselves, it's, it's not even because she could see it. It's because she hears it. Mm. And she needs to be able to do that in order to survive in this world. Mm -hmm. That is told excellent. Excellent. Or 100%. Mm -hmm. Toph is a great character. She adds a very interesting dynamic to the group halfway through the show. Mm -hmm. She's the wrench that they throw in there mm -hmm. to shake things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Where Katara is the nurturing mom. She's the crazy older sister. Who's going to come here and tell Sokka, yo, you need to shut up, but I'm going to laugh with you. We'll joke around. Aang, she's babying you. I'm not going to do that because when it comes to earthbending, you need to be solid in your planting. You need mm -hmm. to plant your feet. Mm -hmm. Qatar, they go back and forth, back and forth, but it's all love. It's great sibling feeling, just energy. Mm -hmm. Toph is great. It's, it's hard to talk about Toph and not just immediately want to think about when John DiMaggio pops up in the episode where they're at the play watching the recap of the series and he goes, my name's Toph because it sounds like tough. It, 
She's tough, bro. She's tough. Cause she's tough. She's, she's lit. She's just so the dun 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 boom <laughs> kicks the door. Yeah. Or when she discovers and, and creates metal bending, that's insane. You know what I mean? Legendary. The legendary, you know, and, and what I also love, what I love about Toph as well is that her journey, it has its conclusion in terms of like she grows with the gang by the end of the show. But we get to see her much like Zuko in some senses too. In in Korra, we we see another leg, another segment of healing and growth and and development for her that is connected to Avatar: The Last Airbender. So I think like we're gonna have to do a Legend of Korra episode on its episode, own, yeah, because absolutely. we really do need to explore that as well. But I just Legacy. she is one of the also greatest benders of all time. So it's just like. It, of all time you know top four top three like i don't I, you know <laughs> what i mean so uh just a strong character bro every fight scene yeah. that she's in she's amazing she's just so some of my favorite animations that they also did um let's talk azula absolutely the best villain on the show she's did the i say that right did yeah. i say that right you did she's she has depth you know, Fire Lord Ozai is all love towards him. Voiced by Mark Hamill, aka Luke Skywalker, the Joker. Yeah, come on, but he's a he's a bad guy for bad guys' sakes, right? Like they, it's it's upsetting that he doesn't have that level of depth. Um, but Azula is brilliant, bro, because she is like Zuko. Now I know that she's always had this kind of twisted sense inside of her. She always had a little bit of like craziness. But that's only brought out more as her mom leaves, as her dad constantly looks to this 14-year-old girl to be doing stuff because he doesn't want to go do it himself, right? Mm -hmm. Zuko and her wear the same weight mm -hmm. in different ways, mm -hmm. and it affects them in different ways. So again, trauma. A lot of these characters experience trauma. For real. Azula's not removed from that. She's not just the bad guy. She's a victim among everybody else. You know, it's just unfortunate that sometimes victims do turn into this and they mm -hmm. do need to be stopped, even if their origin was sad. Yeah. I think that it's a contrasting point, right? We've got Zuko. This is her sister. This sister. This is who he has to face. This is his final, his final person he has to face you know we see him go on this this sub journey of what does it look like to bend lightning you know what i mean what does that look like for him and we see him fail there's failure that happens we see him have to redeem himself and we know azula is the one that critically injured critically injured ang at the end of book two you know that's where he gets his wound the wound that unlocks his his like his last leg, Damon, his, his dog, demon, bro. his dog, <laughs> that dog in him. So she's such a big, like moving piece that what she stands for is actually not too far from what Zuko stood for in book one. There's a lot of regurgitated, I want acceptance and I want approval of other people. But instead of self-acceptance, um, I think that what happens with her is self-indulgence and that leads her to her demise at the hands of Zuko and Katara by the end of the show. But one of my favorite episodes from her was, come on, bro, episode five, season three, The Beach. The Beach. When they're at the beach and they're playing Kawhi Ball and 
she's just on her crazy, like her craziness is just out there. Their personality. I just love that episode because it was a tonally different episode. There are very little moments where you actually see team avatar, but you see team Azula and, um, yeah, man, I just, I very much loved what, the, what they were doing there because the show is maturing at that point. You know, we watched them go from being 12 to now they're kind of entering into latter teen years in terms of like, that's, I mean, that's an older group of kids. Those are our older group and it feels like high school. It, fe- it feels very, um, I don't know how to describe it. It feels much more mature than the Avatar gang. And yet it's like the most mature season too. So it just, I don't know how to describe it other than I very much like the tone of that episode and the way that it complemented the flow of the show. And I love how she got to kind of show all of who she was. We see so much more as the rest of that season happens. And as Zuko continues to blossom, we see her decide her path finally. And then again, when they clash, it's just cool to see him um, face his sister and meet her where she's at and, um, and take her out. And take her out. Yeah. Take her out. She's out yeah. to lunch by that point, though. So, yeah, I mean, what's so interesting about that beach episode is perspective. Yeah. We've seen Zuko and Azula in the field. You know, one way I like to look at it is uh, spoilers for The Last of Us 2 is you see Abby in the field. Yeah. Right? She's this, this like, berserker. She's out there decking dudes in the face and she, she eventually does what she does in that game and you know you're meant to believe she is this villain but then we get to see the perspective of azula in her fire nation as the princess on the beach with her friends um talking about how shitty her childhood was too yes sir. zuko's not the only one with a crappy childhood no. the same way we see abby get to joke around with her friends and be like what's up manny how you doing oh you you slept with that girl Ah, uh, okay that's why you asked me to leave the room last night okay Perspective is so interesting for these characters. Bro, that's why episode uh, Avatar and the Fire Lord was was one of my favorites. Perspective of how this all came to begin in the first place mm-hmm. and uh, why Avatar Roku is the worst Avatar that we've seen out of any of the Avatars. 100%. And I will forever... I love the dude. He failed. Trash. Zook, you know, action, consequence. Roku's failure led to Aang and and it, it continues like that the the cycles of the avatar will always be about action and consequence just as much as, as anything else that their responsibility is for there are so many other good characters that we can talk about but th- those main bunch including Appa and Momo bro they're goats I, goats. I don't even want to team avatar bro those are the characters that make this show what it is you know there's millions of side characters boomy cabbage man ty lee may suki princess ua they all play a role into what made this show so great but at the core of what this show is those characters that we just finished speaking about make the show what is so special and they're all set to play roles in this new netflix show um but before we even talk about the Netflix show, let's just take some few minutes to talk about, you know, we've hit a lot of themes already. Right. Because the show lives, the themes of the show lives in its characters. Sometimes it lives in so many other things. But let's talk about some other themes or some any aspect of the show that you want to talk about. I want to talk real quick about music. The music of the show goes dummy. Ridiculous. Every fight scene, choreography. Beautiful. It's not just noise. Every bending style is based on a different martial arts form. 
Earth bending is very strong. Fire bending is deadly. Air bending is swift. Water bending is fluid. It's all done with purpose. Camera work is crazy on this show, bro. Craziness. I don't know, bro. They was doing something back then. They there was some heart button to them television I, shows. We've lost some of that art. I just don't understand how this adaptation was put in the hands of M. Night Shalaman. I can't even remember his last name. Shalaman, Shalaman. Oh, the last airbender. I don't even from, know why uh, they would let this man touch nice. this when they knew it was greatness. Like, not that not respect to him and where he's at, but it's like at that point where they realize, oh, this is worth making into a movie. It's popular. I just don't understand how they folded. I don't understand how it's taken all these years, you know, almost 20 years to get this in a live action format. Um, do I think it's a W for us for this show? Yes, because these themes need to come to light. They need to hit the screen. But like I said, yeah. we said earlier, I'm slightly concerned about these themes not being given the full room for them to actually blossom. Um, it's hard, man. It's hard to do a theme of, of, uh, of humility, do a theme of, of perseverance, um, uh, this concept of redemption that all these characters experience in some way, shape, or form. The side characters, little tiny stories. We go back to that episode in season three when Katara has to bloodbend with the puppet master episode. You know, that's a woman that is in a lot of pain and chosen to do something dark to deal with her pain. Corrupted. Something corrupted. You know, this is the these are people who, like we said, these young kids had to grow up fast. They grew up in war. Every nation only knew war when we enter the story. It's how it starts. Once there yeah. was peace, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Boom. That's the premise. You're talking about characters that are in traumatic tumultuous times impacted by kids growing up in that environment adults trying to figure out how to raise kids how to persevere and rise above what they're going through each each area has their own way of doing it like you said the bending is not just it's again it's rooted to the culture the 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 walled up protective nature of the earth kingdom the the bossing say uh concept of of just walls the 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 original attack on titan type time like 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 walled up we inside everybody else that's not inside can't fuck with us because we strong and mighty i just i love how there's things spoken through the writing but then there's also things that are just spoken through the art design that are spoken through the outfits that are spoken, you know, one character we didn't even freaking mention that I love his fluidity because he doesn't bend is Jet. We didn't even talk about Jet. That boy Jet pops up in season one, is is brought up again in other seasons. And he's somebody who is is not he doesn't have the bending ability. What does it mean for him thematically? Well, guess what? He's a he's a concept challenger just by existing. Just by existing, they have to ask questions of themselves with him coming around. How cool he he, he dies. When he dies, do you understand how crazy it is for these characters to stomach death when one of their gang, one of their people who was supposed to be the homie, Katar crushing all him low key, that boy dies. That oh man, they just there's we could we could talk in spirals, bro. We could talk about anything, everything in the so show. Good. Even the freaking cabbage guy, bro. My freaking cabbages. Oh bro, my come on, god, son. bro. Come on, son. The lion turtle. Lion turtle. Oh my god, the lion turtle. Yo, the lion turtle was crazy. That episode made me so emotional. Everything that has to do with the spirit realm. 
everything that has to do with the spirit realm was so cool. That episode with the mask, when the different faces from Aang's story keep showing up and he can't look, he can't look, but he hears the, what? They just cooked whoever was in the lab smoking crack and taking shrooms to come up with the next exotic concept they were going to have these characters explore. Ah, you guys just, when they went to the, when they went to, they had to play detective, figure out what happened to, to, oh my God. Oh, Avatar Day? The show was so fire, yeah. bro. Yeah, so bro. fire, dog. Or even just Wang Shitong's library, where they talk about the history of man and how Wang Shitong doesn't like that men come into his library to learn how to destroy other men, and so he wants to take that knowledge away because man's default is war. This is a children's show. Like I know I said it's not, but these are themes that. One way that I like to explain it is where, like, Attack on Titan does things in a super complex manner. Avatar The Last Airbender is is layered, but simply. Simple. So you say you wanted to show this to your daughter when she's six years old because she could begin to understand these things. But then she could revisit at 13 and understand a little bit more and 20 a little bit more. Prejudice being Prejudice. discussed on the show between nations between siblings, sexes, ageism. ageism. It's all here, Everything. bro. The whole thing. They it's a damn near perfect show, man. It's it's really a 10 out of 10. Right, right. And if you can get past the first 10 episodes, 11 episodes cuz I know the great divide is 11, the storm is yeah where it starts to showcase what this show truly is. Season 1 is still more of a kiddie-ish show than seasons two and three. But they're there. The early steps to what would be seasons two and three are there. If you could get through other things, I mean... I just zoned out just thinking about how great this dang show is, bro. It's just... I I think you got to do it. You got to be able to sit through this once, give it a try, and, and see through, you know? If you're hating it, sure. But if you're just not feeling it, just keep going until you are. It's going to be worth it. And if it's not, then I'm sorry that you found nothing in this because there's something in here to find. It's short. It's short. Give it a try. It's not, It's not. you know. Shout out to Uncle Billy Bob. Things, I know bro. in the last two years, he, he actually went and watched it. Terry went and watched it after us telling him since we met him, this is the greatest cartoon of all time. You need to watch this. And I remember him texting me, bro. I don't know how I didn't watch this. This would have helped me through my life as a kid. Oh, yo, man. I think all we really have left to say, you've heard our, you've heard our opinions. This was like a one-on-one getting into Avatar, the last airbender. Right. Uh, But like when it comes to what Netflix has coming for us very shortly in the next couple of weeks, you know, about two weeks, two weeks, we're looking at February 21st is when not February 21st, uh, February, What's the date on that? Do you have it on you? I thought it was the 22nd. 22nd. When it comes, all, all we're going to say is yeah, the 22nd. We're going to go in there and we're going to try our best to enter with an open mind. We are going to accept it for what it is. There's a lot of yes. that. It's not this, so it's trash. You know, no, a lot of the episodes no. we'll have this season, we're going to talk about there's a lot of adaptations happening this year. Percy Jackson and the, and the Lightning Thief or the Olympians just came out. We'll be talking about that too. Yeah. 
as a viewer of that show, it was hard. I read all the books. I was attached to those books, but I watched and saw it through. That's what we'll do here. But some things that I'm definitely going to like hope for is that there, there's so much depth to this show. I don't want them to shallow the show out in any way. Whether it's the episode size or it's the it's the stuff they've talked about with the sexism and and being true to the culture of the show, I hope they don't take shortcuts, man. I, I hope that they they create a, a great coming of age story that is highly dimensional in terms of the types of people we meet, the types of growth that's happening in each of those characters. I I, I don't know, man. I don't know. When adaptations get junk, jumpy and, and crazy is when they're so perfectly written as they are in their original medium. That's that's where it gets really yeah. tough. Look, he, here's what I'll say. We watched The Last of Us last year on HBO and we saw the changes that they made that they felt they needed to make in order to, you know, this isn't a video game. This is a TV show, right? So we're going to be interested to see what changes they felt they needed to make for the Nickelodeon 20-minute cartoon to a Netflix 40-minute cartoon 20 years later, right? It's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see the differences. I'm okay with differences as long as they become justified within the story being told. If I don't feel like it's justified, and you lost me. If you execute it well, I'm okay. I don't need it to be one-to-one as long as what you're bringing to the table that you felt like you needed to do that maybe was better than the old, that better hit. It better hit. I'm worried that the creators left. Still not sure how I feel about the soccer casting amidst all those rumors and issues going on. Um, the Visually, the show looks good. I'm just is is it, my question is is the show is the show supposed to encapsulate all of book one in those first eight episodes? Yes. Okay, so we're just getting book one, book one, but with some changes. A big change that we know already: Azula. Azula is not a presence in the first season of Avatar. She shows up as the very final thing that we see in the first season. Yes, she's already appeared in the trailers and the promo art, so we already see the changes. The uh, Fire Lord Ozai alone being able to see his face is a change because you don't get that until the first episode right. of season three. And those are things that in a cartoon, the ominous nature of this character, yeah. only knowing them preceded by the opinions or the weight on Zuko or the pe- person behind the Fire Nation the that's caused me. Yeah. freaking of Mark, Mark Hamill. Uh, I get it. I get it, man. I Listen. I'm going in there with an open freaking mind. That's all that's all that we could do. Well, I mean, you can absolutely be sure that we're covering the Netflix Avatar. It will be an episode episode 59. That's Netflix Avatar the Last Airbender Kazawa. March 22nd, 1 month after the show drops. Take that month. Let let your thoughts simmer because you're binging it, right? Like Netflix, you binge. Right. They, we don't got to wait eight weeks right away. I'll probably finish it day one, day two, you know, depending on what day of the week that is. Let it simmer. Find your opinions. Feel it out. Don't go in hating right away. And if for some reason you've listened to all of this and then you're at like you've never seen the show, you listen to all this and you're going to let this be the first thing you you watch, I hope it's worth it. If not, Take the trip back. We don't talk about the last Airbender movie like that. 
Hopefully this is better than that. Uh, I'm not saying if this is better than that, then this automatically is a W because it is not. But from casting no. alone, from what I've seen already, I don't want to say I'm excited for Avatar Last Airbender Netflix because I don't necessarily think it needed to exist. I remember the night it was announced and my excitement then, but as time has moved on, the five years that it's taken them to actually put this out, my thoughts have changed. Avatar Studios is kicking around. We got new things to discover. I've, I've realized the themes. This is to bring a new audience in. Is this to make this more, more approachable for people? Okay. But I don't want this to tarnish what we got. And I'm not, I, at the same time, I'm a believer that this can't tarnish that. Yeah. But yeah. When, there are going to be people that think of this first. And that, that's a little worry. A little. It is sad. It's sad to to consider, but like we said, man, we've been out here since 2005, you know, we watched episodes of Legend of Korra when they came out each week on the internet. So it's like, we've been here for a really long time. It's just going to be hard to take that. Um, also, man, we know the director of this show is able to make good stuff of the, of the Netflix. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen it. But he has a anime, like a like an animated anime show called Pantheon, that he created, um, and it's definitely worth watching. It's worth watching because I think it shows a little of how he can tonally understand the development of a character and big concepts. So I I, I have hope, man. I've got hope. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it. I'll say it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna watch it the day it comes out. Definitely, no doubts. And you'll get our thoughts. You hear what we say. Uh, but fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cuzzle Out where we just geek the crap out over the stuff we love. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's great to it's great to it's great to know that there are a lot of people out there that love this show. So we hope that as you reminisce on these characters with us, it brought you back to where you were when you first watched the show. And like we said, if you haven't seen the show, we didn't say a lot that would spoil the flow of the show. We said some, but the reality is like there's so much there's so much robust development in this show just press play just find it and press play even if you just let it play in the background there's gonna be a line or two that's gonna smack you upside your head and you'll have it'll have your full undivided attention we promise um we got mad love for avatar we got mad love for team avatar uh they are part of why i am who i am right now absolutely that tattoo coming soon oh yeah my Obi my Obi Wan coming first, but something Avatar gonna make its way through. I agree. We thank you for listening to another episode of Cuzzle Wop. Uh, stay tuned. We've got a lot of new stuff coming out this year. New concepts, uh, new art, new guests, everything you could want from a podcast. Where every time you tune in, you find two cousins, one podcast, and endless entertainment. Till next time.